Welcome to the Innovation Engine Podcast. I'm Will Sherlin, and today we'll be talking about innovation, content monetization, and why prototyping can be the best first step in going from idea to fully formed product. Here with us to discuss those topics today is Jessica Hall. Jessica is director of the Innovate Practice at Three Pillar, where she specializes in helping clients bring new ideas to market through workshops and rapid prototyping. Prior to joining Three Pillar, she built the user experience team at CEB and led the creation of the museum's interactive exhibits and websites. Her work has been recognized by the Web Marketing Association, American Association of Museums, the Webby Awards, Time, Graphic Design USA, Forbes, and the Washington Post. On April 9th, she'll be presenting a workshop at the NAB show in Las Vegas titled Monetizing Content in the New Digital World. In May, she'll be conducting a workshop titled Prototyping for Business Outcomes alongside Three Pillars' Eric Isaacson at Modev UX in McLean. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Of course, our pleasure. So let's kick things off today talking about the NAB show and the workshop you'll be leading there called Monetizing Content in the New Digital World. What can attendees to the workshop expect? Um, I'm really excited to be going to NAB because I've heard about it for years and how expansive it is. And I think it'll be really neat to see. But more importantly, it's such a challenging and interesting time in the media world with all of this disruption and with people moving from traditional models of B2B and just selling to advertisers and now starting to sell directly to consumers through a variety of channels. And really what we're doing in the workshop is giving um, anyone who attends tools in order to come up with their strategy, prioritize their activities against user needs, and then figure out how to test things before they start committing big development dollars. So we kick it off with a version of the business model canvas that I'm calling a content monetization canvas. And what it does is it puts all of the key elements of a strategy on one page. And a lot of times I find working with executives that they think they all mean the same thing when they talk about it. But once we start to really map it out, they realize that there's pockets where they didn't understand what each other meant. And this exercise is really great for bringing those to the surface where we can really all understand it and debate it and put it together so we have a snapshot of what our strategy is today. Mm -hmm. um, then we're moving on to something called the Cato model. Um, and that was um, created in the 1980s by a Japanese economist. And it's a really interesting way of thinking about features based upon a user's perspective. So a lot of times when businesses figure out new products, they're focused on what they can deliver with the, the dollars and the knowledge that they have. And that's great, except someone has to buy that. So this flips the script and focuses on what users need, what their basic needs are, what their performance needs are, and what their delighters are. And making sure you have the right mix of features that are really going to attract and retain customers. And then we wrap it up with, because we spent you know, the first part of it making a whole lot of assumptions, trying to validate those assumptions so that before you commit the big dollars in development and licensing and content production, you know you're headed the right direction. Okay, got it. And, and who is it aimed to most? Or if, if I'm an NAB attendee, which, uh, what, say, titles or lines of work would it be appropriate for? 
I would say it's going to be kind of broad appeal. Anyone mm -hmm. who's doing content authoring, yep. if you're working on OTT video or video portals, anything that's going to deliver video to a customer mm -hmm. and from even if you're on the business side, the technical or the product side, I think we have something to offer everybody. Okay, great. So I want to ask you a question about about free because this is we're talking about content monetization. Yeah. And dating back to yeah, at least as far back as 2009, Chris Anderson from Wired, who's pretty well known in the tech space, uh, was beating the drum and came out with a book that basically said all content would eventually be free for consumers. From your standpoint, do you think we're approaching a point in time where that's true? So it's funny that he writes for Wired and he's talking about content to be free. Um, I wonder how he pays, <laughs> gets paid at the end of the day in that phrase. But in some ways, we've kind of always paid for content, right? We may not have paid with dollars, but we paid with our eyeballs. And so we sat there and we endured commercials mm -hmm. in order to, um, you know, get TV at home. And, you know, a couple of things have happened that really changed things. So you saw time-shifted viewing or video on demand and, and services like Netflix or HBO on demand have really changed things. And we're seeing that people are willing to pay something. And that's really good because I worked on my first TV show when I was 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And I've been out in the field and in the edit room. And I know how hard it is to make this content. And I think we all love our shows. And we realize that those just don't pop out of the air fully formed. And if you want access to quality content that you can really enjoy and share with other people, there needs to be some kind of cost from that. We just need to figure out what is a mutually acceptable cost and a mutually acceptable way of paying for things. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. So what was the first show you worked on when you were 18? Uh, it was a Watergate anniversary show for C-SPAN. Okay. For a while, I was a queen of set design for C-SPAN at 2 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, so you get home at night and you turn on the TV like, yeah, 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 I made that set. Um, <laughs> me and the other like two people who were watching that show at that time. Nice. My illustrious career in television. <laughs> okay, so so speaking of networks like C-SPAN or uh, you know any other network out there, do you envision there being a future where there's not really uh, where, where there aren't networks as we know them, and all video is just consumed online or over broadband? Overall, things may be kind of moving in the direction. Uh, there's a lot more independence in the game. Obviously, Netflix has stepped up in a huge way, and, and Hulu is also doing a lot of original content. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that we're ever going to get rid of networks. Because if you look at you know when the ABC online video player launched or, or ESPN with some of its digital offerings, they're more than a network. They're a brand. Mm -hmm. They're a brand, and you know, WGBH in Boston, same thing, some of the PBS offerings. They're a brand, and people associate them with quality programming, quality content that they care about. So maybe they're not controlling a channel the way they used to, but they certainly have a dominant voice in the marketplace. That being said, a lot of those folks really serve mainstream markets. And what's great about a lot more independents getting in the game is that a lot of voices get to be heard in the marketplace and a lot of underserved audiences get access to content. But I don't think we're ever going to get away from the fact that there's some big players in the space. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit and touch on another one of your areas of expertise, Jessica, prototyping. Why do you think prototyping is one of the best ways for a company to test out a new product idea before fully committing to it? So a long time ago, when I got out of graduate school, I was working for the museum and mm -hmm. working on creating some games for them. 
And I had learned about, you know, user-centered design in grad school and was super excited about it. And so I decided, I told my vice president, we should really go take our early sketches and early comps to a school and figure out if we have a right idea. He wasn't entirely sure that this was a good idea, but I apparently wore him down because he (laughs) went. So we get in front of a bunch of seven-year-olds, present this concept for a game, and we completely crash and burn like crickets. It was awful. And I'm convinced that I'm going to be fired immediately, which is terrible because I'm just finished school and I have no joke, $20 in the bank. <laughs> so when my boss um, was really excited and happy and fired up about changing all these things in the game, I didn't understand why for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And what I learned was that what made him so happy about what I perceived as a failure is because he didn't have to spend months and a lot of money in order to figure out what wasn't working. So in that case, we were able to, you know, with just a few hours investment, we were able to change direction. We spent a few more hours. We went to another school the next week and it was great. And we were able to really understand that we had the right answer the kids liked it. We could show the prototype to the CEO and talk to him about what the kids said, and he got excited about it. We could show things to our developers, and they understood what the vision of the product was, and we didn't have to spend as much time explaining it or writing detailed requirements documents. So everyone knows they need to invest in technology to grow and to stay relevant. But most people have gotten burnt. Mm-hmm. Who hasn't been in a software project that was over budget, overscheduled, generally painful. And the worst is when you're working on one of those and you're like, this thing is going to release and no one is going to use it. All my work and effort is going to waste. So what prototyping does is really say that we're going to take a more business and user-driven approach. We're going to validate early and often, and we're going to show people instead of telling. Mm -hmm. And through this, we can really start to figure out what the right answer is. And if we have the wrong answer, who cares? We didn't spend very much to get that. And we can be more confident moving forward. And where the Innovate offering came from was really answering that core central challenge. How can I figure out that I'm headed the right direction before 20 to 30% of my budget is gone? Um, and really, I should probably stop and say what I think a prototype is. Sure, please. Um, so whenever I don't know what something is in, in technology world, I pull out the old school UX question, which is what does that mean to you? (laughs) So this is what it means to me. A prototype is a tool for testing and validation. It allows me to very quickly put something together, get it in front of a customer, figure out if it works, and if it's not, we just change it and we keep going. Mm -hmm. It's not complete. It's not production ready. I don't care if it works in IE6. All I want to do is make sure we have the right idea and the right customer and we're heading the right direction. But it is typically, it's obviously something that's tangible that you can test out to see if assumptions are correct or incorrect. Sure. Sometimes it's a piece of paper. Right. Sometimes it's a paper prototype. Um, a lot of, we've been doing a lot of HTML prototypes where we use different prototyping tools mm-hmm. to allow people to walk through. Mm-hmm. But the idea is they're touching something t- tangible. And what a lot of people say was, well, we do wireframes. Um, a wireframe is a simple, usually black and white diagram of what a page would look like and what the controls are and how you move from place to place. Mm -hmm. And we use it as kind of a blueprint for building an application. And designers have been using them forever. And the nice thing about a wireframe is, yes, you can change it quickly too, like a prototype. The problem with that is 
Wireframings take, require the skills of an experienced storyteller. I have to take you on this journey. I have to lead you down the path so you understand why we're doing this, what we're accomplishing, what the payoff is. And that takes a lot of practice, and I can tell you that I've crashed and burned more than once when I was trying to present a wireframe. So when that person, that gifted storyteller is gone, all of a sudden what emerges is an understanding gap. And weeks and weeks later, after these expensive development teams have been running, we figure out that we weren't on the same page about what we're doing. And that is an expensive problem. So what a prototyping does is it helps make that gap smaller or eliminate entirely because you can actually see what this thing is going to do. Okay, so let's pretend for a second, Jessica, that I'm a television executive with an idea for a brilliant new digital product that I think is going to fundamentally change my business, which is hemorrhaging money, by the way. And it's going to upend the way viewers consume content in the process. So I'm a type A guy, and I like to see wheels in motion. I like to see the rubber meet the road. Are you really telling me that I need to prototype before actually getting to work? So you're hemorrhaging money, and you want to dump potentially millions into a new unproven venture? That's, that's better? I, I want to get to work. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so your brilliant product is going to need a few things to be successful. One, customers are going to need to will be willing to pay for your content. So it's like a customer content fit. You need an end-to-end -end customer experience that makes your customers keep coming back. You need to be able to acquire them, get them signed up, having them consume content, share con content, and the like. You need people, engineers, marketing, social media, customer service, and you need the whole alphabet soup of technology. Uh, DAM, CMS, CDN, CRM, SEO, and the whole like. This stuff is really hard, and getting it right is not going to happen on the first go. So why don't we tackle the first two, figuring out if we have a customer content fit and a customer experience fit too. And by the way, I can do most of this in about three weeks. And I can actually prototype your first one on the first week. So we may be looking at a, at a healthcare.gov type situation if we just go. Oh, you're definitely looking at a healthcare.gov <laughs> situation if you just go. And, and lots of people can definitely have those war stories, although not quite as bad. <laughs> so what I would say is, and, and I, I know that people want to go quickly. The mm -hmm. good news is that I can go quickly because I'm not trying to make sure that it works in every browser and it, it's fully load tested and scaled. I just need it to work when I go in front of a customer. Mm -hmm. And that is something we can do quickly and start to figure these things out. So when you bring in the engineering team with that big old burn rate, they're working on the right stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. All right, I, I accept that answer as a high-powered <laughs> TV, <laughs> high TV executive. Uh, you have three weeks. Um, okay, so, so all kidding aside, on your blog, uh, which is uh, hallwaystudio.com, you recently wrote a post called The Rules of Prototyping Engagement. Can you go over those rules for listeners? Sure. Rule number one, start small, but start. Anyone who's ever tried to get in shape knows that it's really easy to make excuses. And what I hear usually is people say, I don't have the resources. I don't have the time. I don't have the approvals. Well, you're never going to have everything you need. So you got to figure out what you have and try and do something. And maybe you can't do 100% of agile, lean, or design thinking. 
But my guess is there are parts of it that you couldn't put in place to your organization. And a really interesting uh, example of this is just down the hall from where we're sitting mm -hmm. is a room called the Innovation Lab. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I started here, people were like, oh, that room, it's hard to work with. But we don't have the money and we don't have the time and we haven't gotten all the executive sign-off. And I thought to myself, well, I think this room could be better. And so I popped my head into David, the CEO's office, and I'm like, can I rearrange the room? He's like, sure. So I rearranged the room. It didn't cost me anything. I needed barely any approval. And honestly, I probably would have done it without it. <laughs> and um, we can start to figure out whether or not this is going to work. And that's what I did is probably not the right answer. I only spent about 20 minutes doing it. But it's going to get the discussion up. And it's going to get the momentum going. And then from there, you can really start to drive change. So rule number two, be comfortable with showing messy work in progress. Mm -hmm. As a designer, I didn't like to show things in progress. I wanted them polished and refined. But that meant it took me hours and hours to get those things you know, polished and refined. And meanwhile, I was spending time on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. So we sketch, and it doesn't have to be pretty. It can be shapes and squiggly lines and, and stick figures. And I get CEOs to sketch all the time. And they have, you know, once they get over their initial shock, they actually have a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> but if I'm going to ask people to show their messy work in progress, I have to be first. And I'm always the first one to put my messy work. And potentially some of my ideas are good and some of them are awful. And that's okay. But we have to get those things out and put them on the table. And we learn. And we learn quickly and we get better from there. Which leads me into rule number three. You will be wrong but it will make you better. Nothing innovative has ever happened without some failed experiments. Mm -hmm. And every time I learn something, I make the project better and I get better. So I crash and burn in front of a bunch of seven-year-olds. But from there, I learned. And I got much better at anticipating what different types of kids liked in the games that I was making. So I got to be a better designer and a better product person. And my products got better. And that all can't happen if you're not willing to accept that maybe you don't know the right answer. And the last one is focus, focus, focus. Um, I think that we tend to associate people who are really innovative or creative with being wacky, and I certainly am. I won't pretend that I'm not. <laughs> but whenever you're on one of these projects, it's really, really easy to get derailed because you don't have all the answers you need. There are so many questions. You want to think about scale. You want to go off in a million different directions. And you have to narrow your world mm -hmm. to the next release. Narrow your focus. I'm going to do this one thing. I'm not going to worry. I don't care if it scales right now. I need to make sure I have a product first. I don't care if it's you know fully production code. I need to have this. And so the whole team has to be responsible for focus. Mm -hmm. And it helps if one person's the enforcer usually me, but sometimes I go off the rails too. And so I'm lucky because on one of the projects I'm working with now, Brian O, a product manager here at Three Pillar, when I start to go off the rails, he gives me the look. And then I'm like, oh, right. You're right. You're right. Back to the focus. Back to the focus. So it, you know, those are my four rules. Okay. So on May 19th, you and Eric Isaacson will be, will be presenting at Modev UX on prototyping for business outcomes. For listeners out there who may be thinking about or attending Modev UX, what will be, uh, what will that workshop be like? So first, I have to thank you because the original title was "Insert Cool Title Here," and <laughs> Mr. Will Sherlin came up with 
prototyping for business outcomes. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited about this. It's a 90 word workshop. It's going to be a whole lot of fun because we're going to go end to end through our prog- uh, prototyping process. Okay. Right from the beginning. How do we figure out what the business outcomes are? User goals, doing rapid user research. Um, ideation, prototyping, and testing. So really, you get to see our process from end to end. And good news, I'm not going to sit there and talk at you for 90 minutes because nobody wants that. (laughs) Um, We actually have a bunch of exercises. So you get a little bit of a taste of each of the things that we do, and you get hands-on experience and understand the process. Um, Prototyping is definitely something, um, it's been really trendy. and so I think a lot of people are interested in it. I also think a lot of people are inspired in prototyping because it so aligns to lean and design thinking and agile. So it's something that's, I think, really important to have in your arsenal. Mm-hmm. Because more, you know, since 2009, budgets are tight. And people don't want to spend money on the wrong thing. So mm-hmm. how can we figure out what the right thing is? And how can we figure out how to go at it in the right way? And I think that this approach works really well and we're finding a lot of traction with our clients in it. Nice. Okay. So I've got a question for you. Uh, you're the director of our innovate practice here at three pillar, which sounds like an amazing title and it is congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) So, but let's say it's also a little bit abstract. Let's say you're at a dinner party and somebody asks you, Jessica Hall, what do you do? What's your answer? First of all, I win all dinner party intros in the D.C. area. Most (laughs) people say, I work for the government. I work for a government contractor. (laughs) People say, what do you do? Companies come to me with really interesting ideas, and I get to figure out how they work and prototyping them, take them to market and figure out if customers want it and it's right for the business. And they're like, that sounds cool. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) it is. I'm a lucky girl. What can I say? Um, It's really intellectually challenging. It's creatively challenging. I get to work with really smart people, both of our clients and and our team here. And um, uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty much the best job ever. (laughs) Nice. Well, we like to think that you're the best at it ever. (laughs) Uh, You're the first, so you better be. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not like there's a benchmark to compare me. (laughs) It's actually funny because I'm like, Initially, when I saw it, I was like, I love the idea of this, but I've never met anyone with innovation in their title who's actually innovative. And I felt like somehow that would creatively stifle me. <laughs> um, but so far, uh, it's it's been really good. And um, I kind of amazed all the time when we have from sales meetings to when we really start working with the clients, just how much opportunity there is to do really unique and interesting things. And we get to play around right at the beginning where everything is possible. Mm -hmm. So I know that we probably can't delve too terribly deep into some of the stuff that we're doing, but can you give listeners an idea of what kinds of companies you've had the opportunity to work with to this point? Um, It's pretty close to the chest because obviously this is really core to their strategy, but there might be something with wearables. Okay. There might be something with data visualization. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, some really interesting apps who are providing uh, cool services. Um, education companies, there's okay. a couple of those in the works. Um, gaming, so uh, it really runs the gamut of lots of different things. And But the unique thread, the common thread is I have an idea, but I don't know what it looks like and I don't know if it's going to work. So can we figure this out? for a set amount of money in a short amount of time. 
and the whole process is engineered and designed and optimizing around answering that, those questions. What does it look like? Do customers want it? And is it right for my business? Okay, got it. So if you will be at the NAB show in Las Vegas next month, definitely check Jessica Hall's presentation out. And uh, and you're going to be there too. Yes, and come say hey to me. I mean, <laughs> I will be there. Uh, I will certainly be checking it out. Uh, but yes, more importantly, check out Jessica's presentation, Monetizing Content in the New Digital World. Uh, promises to be interesting. We will feed you as well. Um, so keep an eye out at, at Jess Hallway on Twitter. Hallwaystudio.com is the URL for Jessica's website where she blogs about prototyping, blogs about user experience. What else do we blog about on Hallway Studio? I blogged about ski instructing, <laughs> but uh, not really relevant. But you can also go to 3pillarglobal.com to learn more about the Innovate offering and how to get in touch with us if you have an idea that you want to figure out. All right, great. Well, thanks so much, Jessica. Appreciate you joining us. Thank um, you. And uh, we'll see you out in Vegas at NAB, if not before. We'll probably see you before, but we'll definitely see you in Vegas. Yeah, since I'm around the corner, I think, from you, I, I think that's going to happen. <laughs> All right, <laughs> nice. Well, thank you very much. Hey, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, thanks very much to the one and only Jessica Hall for joining us today. If you'll be out at the NAB show in Vegas, please come by and see us at booth SU12814. Again, that's SU12814, the Three Pillar Global booth. Come say hey. You may even have the opportunity to be on next week's episode of the Innovation Engine podcast. Because that's right, folks, we're going to have a very first, we'll be recording audio live out at the NAB show for next week's podcast. So we'll be looking at innovative products, hopefully talking to some innovative people, and you just may be one of them. Come see us. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week.